Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And uh, today we're going to be doing more stuff with StatCast stats. I, I wanted to try to break off and do something a little bit different, but there's just been so much to dive into. I've been kind of having a hard time doing anything about anything else, really. Plus, you know, football's quiet right now. Yeah, I mean, basketball's got that thing going on. Hockey has that thing going on. Uh, two Game 7s, though, real quick. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to watch Game 7 of the uh, Stanley Cup tonight. Uh, it is Blues Wednesday, Boston. for reference in boston it's going to be a good time i really hope boston doesn't win but that's more of a hate towards this particular city and demographic which probably shouldn't be allowed in this country anymore but fuck boston yeah fuck so. boston you can you you can choose to live in boston you can't choose to be a certain type of person that, well unless well you can't choose to be the certain kind of person that's in boston Fuck Boston. I, I, that made sense in my head. It did not make sense once I started opening my mouth. Yeah, it's okay. Who do you? Who do? You, and I, I think, I think both sports have the same kind of thing going on, where it's like, you, you probably assume, you know, it's probably a safer bet Boston's going to win. It's probably a safer bet that the Warriors are going to win. But I think most people don't want to see either of those things happen. Yeah. I think both teams, both both majorities of fans are rooting for the uh, have never won it demographic of Toronto and St. Louis. Ironic that Toronto's finally in a position to win a championship, and it's not in hockey. <laughs> Fucking Canadians. Yeah, they're they're apparently they're bad at hockey. Who the thunk? Supposedly. But anyway, let's get into this shit. So I I have um, a a different topic, and then I have a kind of like a loop back to something we discussed last week. So to start. I wanted to look at, I, like I said, there's been a lot of playing around, and I was thinking about chase rate, which is how often you try to swing at a ball that's out of the zone. Mm-hmm. And that's generally regarded as something you shouldn't do, because for one, it's going to be harder to hit them. The strike zone is there because it's seen as a fair place for a batter to swing, and that outside of that, is too unreasonable to think that the batter should swing at it, and therefore it's like, you know, you didn't put the ball in a place that is kind of eligible to be entered into 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 play. So that's going to be a ball because if you throw too many of them, then you didn't really put up together competitive at bat as a pitcher, and the batter's just going to take the base. That's how the sport works. But so in general, it's regarded as a bad idea to swing outside of the zone because you want to take balls you want to put yourself into better counts you'll get better pitches and if you don't get better pitches you'll get put on base for free but uh, there are a lot of batters who say fuck them shit i'm gonna go swing at them anyway because i like swinging the bat it's fun that's what i get paid for exactly it's genuinely just more fun to watch hitters try and hit the ball than to just watch them stand there and take pitches yeah, as as nice as it is to see like a, a cool like six, seven, eight pitch at bat with like a lot of fouls and all mm-hmm. that, um, it, it I want to see I want to see a swing. I, I like a good full count. Full counts I think provide like a little bit of tension, even though that's uh, usually in like low leverage uh, situ- situations, just because full counts happen all the time. It's like that little sprinkle of excitement. But uh, yeah, swinging the bat's way better. So I wanted to see. Out of all the people with um, high chase rates, who has the highest batting average on balls hit out of the zone? Okay. Make sense? Yeah. So, I had to do this with 2018 data because Fangraphs... I actually had to combine Fangraphs and Baseball Savant here because Baseball Savant's um, search function does not include... Um, chase rate. That's a Fangraph stat. And Fangraphs doesn't keep that updated like over the course of the year, I guess, because they only had it available for 2018. Hmm. So I just, these are all 2018 numbers. Fair enough. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, we're only like a third of the way through the season, just over, so it works out fine. Yeah, I mean, it's not not a huge deal. It would have been more fun if we could talk about some modern players. Like, I know you brought up a guy who I didn't know. David Fletcher? Yeah. Um, he's an angel. Yes. Yeah. Angels, utility man. 
Oh, okay. He's the guy when we were talking about uh, like contact rate. His is like ninety eight point five percent. Oh, he's that guy. Yeah, he's, he's just the one, Angels Williams. He's just Astrodino. one of those unicorns in baseball. Right. Uh, so I wanted to to be, I guess, as current as possible, but it just was just wasn't in the cards. So out of uh, out of all the the twenty eighteen batters, who do you think here had the uh, the highest swing rate? Uh. The highest. Sorry, um, um, out of the zone uh, swing rate, out of the zone chase rate, I should say. Um, I want to say like Yoan Moncada. Ooh, that's a interesting guess. I don't see him here in our top ten because I think his thing last year was he got fucked a lot on pitches on the edge. I think that was his thing that I saw a bunch of papers on was like he had the most called strikes against by like. A goofy high margin. Fair enough. Um, my guess was Javi Baez. Would make a lot of sense. Second. Second behind Salvador Perez. Look at you. Good at guessing. Yeah, because I forgot Salvador Perez is uh, just, just loves swinging the fucking bat so much. Yeah, I was just trying to think of guys that would just swing at literally everything. Yeah, so our top five is Salvador Perez, uh, Corey. Javi Baez, Corey Dickerson, Kevin Pillar, and Eddie Rosario, shortly mm. followed by Adam Jones and Dee Gordon, which I don't think is surprising. Um, so the highest being Salvador Perez, he swung at uh, 48.4% of pitches out of the zone, which means that if you threw the ball outside kidding. of the strike zone, he had just about a 50% chance of swinging at it anyway. That's fucking hilarious. And it's funny because I remember when... I, one of the times the Yankees had played him, or played the Orioles last season, I think it was like bases loaded or like two men on or some shit, and our pitcher kept pounding the strike zone, and our commentator was like, why are you doing that? This guy has the highest chase rate in baseball. Just fucking chuck it somewhere and let him swing at it, because he's gonna. And then he hit a home run because they didn't do that. Um, I like Salvador Perez. Uh, yeah, so and then Javi Baez is at 45, uh, Corey Dickerson's at 45, there's a lot of dudes around, right around there, but but uh, Salvi's the, the top, uh, least, uh, the lowest, I should say, lowest out of the zone swing rate in 2018. You got any guesses? Uh, Williams Astodio. Um, well, he probably didn't have enough plate appearances to be on this list as of last year. Okay, fair enough. Um, Joey Votto? Yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Nice. On the, on the money. <laughs> Votto at 16.4% out of the zone swing rate, followed very swiftly by Andrew McCutcheon, unsurprisingly. Brandon Nemo, Mookie Betts, sorry, Brandon Nemo, Mookie Betts, and Alex Bregman. Uh, Mike Trout, for anybody curious, came in at 11th with a 21.8% out of the zone swing rate. Patient motherfuckers. I'm pretty sure that that's going to be down this season since he's just walking a godly amount. Yeah, it's 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 wild. Yeah, that man. I'd baseball. love to see. I, I, I guess they did just play each other. Who did, no? Did did Hunjin, Imagine if Hunjin Roo went off against Mike Trout for like 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 just a, a bunch a bunch of plate appearances like they were in the same division yeah um the walk machine versus the anti walk machine cuz i didn't they did just play each other on monday right i don't remember i think they did i remember seeing trout had a homer um otani san had two homers in two back to back games um i think those I were don't both of remember who they played though I think the, I know one of the Otani homers was against Kenta Maeda, and I think the, the other one I know was against um, fuck, what's his name? You say Kikuchi. Oh, then maybe I'm thinking of something different. Hold on, I'm looking it up really quick. I want to see this box score because now I'm very curious. The Angels did win Monday night's game against the Dodgers, and the Dodgers did Kenta? pitch Hunjin Ryu, who still had zero walks. Wow. Yeah. I want to look up his walks on the year, like his season stats. Do you think? Do you think Trout walked at all? Probably. No, no walks. No walks. Four at bats. One hit. One run scored. Two RBI. Two strikeouts. Left on base twice. But uh, yeah, no walks. I guess, I guess now we know what happens when a uh, unstoppable force 
meets an immovable object. Nothing happens. Nothing. Yeah. The the um unstoppable force wins. I don't know which one it would be. So let's see. Hinge and Rue so far this season, nine and one, with a one point three six ERA in thirteen games, one complete game shutout, eighty six innings pitched, sixty four hits, thirteen runs, seven home runs, five walks in eighty six innings. 77 strikeouts, ERA plus of 310, a whip of 0.8, a FIP of 2.62, which isn't that bad. He's killing it. Yeah, he's having. He's I really, absolutely, really want him to win Cy Young this year. Do you know what his ERA was last year? Oh yeah, wasn't it in the um? Wasn't it in the threes? No, what was it? One point nine seven. Was it that small? Yeah. Oh shit. Played in fifteen games. Yeah, because I think he was hurt to start the season and then came back. Because I definitely remember him pitching later on. In the ah, I'm not even gonna pretend it's a National League West Coast team. I barely watched them. He has only one season with an ERA above three point three eight. Is it the it season he pitched one game? No, the eleven ERA. Well, I wasn't counting that just because it's literally one game. Yeah. Um, but 2017, he had a 3.77. Still a fucking good ERA. Yeah. Wow. All right, let's get back to whatever we were talking about. Okay, so now who do you think has the highest um, batting average on balls out of the zone? I called this Mike Trout. OBA. Uh, no, Andrew Benintendi. Really? Yeah, uh, he has a 320 batting average on pitches out of the zone. Good shit. Yeah. And- who else is up there? Uh, we have Yuli Gurriel on the Astro from when he was on the Astros. No, he still is on the Astros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he was with Dallas. Um, with the two eighty six batting average, so it goes down pretty precipitously. Uh, followed by Scooter Jeanette of the Reds at two sixty seven, and Jose Altuve of the Astros at two sixty six. Where's Trout at? Um, where is Trout at? Uh, we're going down a ways here. I don't see him. If only there was a search function. I want to try to preserve the order, though. Well, you could just control F. I mean, you're you're right, but I've committed to the way I'm doing this, and it's oh yeah. Do you have any players there are in Major League Baseball? There's enough that this this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm just going to control F. It. Um, Mike Fishman. He is 111th. Okay. Uh, he has a 137 batting average in 2018 on balls out of the zone. It's not great. Nope, that is um, not good. That'll just be the thing he improves upon next year because he picks one every year. Ooh, guess who has the worst batting average on balls out of the zone? Um, Chris Davis uh, in Baltimore. Chris Davis in Oakland. Ah, uh, <laughs> Chris Davis, followed by uh, uh, yeah, with a zero six two batting average on balls out of the zone. Uh, followed by Kyle Schwarber of the Cubs with a 0-8-2. And Teoscar Hernandez at 0-9-0. And then Chris Davis in Baltimore at 0-9-6. So we have found the one thing that Crush Davis is better at than k Davis, which is hitting balls out of the zone, a skill neither of them are remotely good at. So, what? I just wanted to look up what... Crush Davis's batting averages this year. It is not 247. It's 241. He's so close though. I know. And he's been not doing great lately, so he could he has time to catch up. I believe in him. All right, so then what I wanted to do was I wanted to see um how these two relate to each other, right? Okay. Um so I threw together a graph and in traditional Josh fashion, I'm going to put it someplace closer to us so we can both see. In in typical Josh fashion, I I I really wish I I was better at reformatting Excel graphs instead of just throwing them together because I would have liked to probably switch these axes, um, and you'll see why. But I think we can still glean the necessary information from it, which is hold on one second. Yeah. All right. So on the bottom on the x-axis we have batting average, and on the y-axis we have swing percent. So I'd pro- I would rather these be changed, but I don't feel like doing it right now. And I guess I have to just get better at that skill. That, I'm, that's my Mike Trout improvement for for the for the 2019 season, learning how to switch axes. Uh, you can just ignore that. Okay. So you 
what do you what do you, what do you make of this? There's not much correlation here. I mean, there's a slight incline with the trend, but it's there's not there's not much of a tight grouping or a very noticeable trend line. Um it's weird. I thought this would be a bit more drastic, but it's a little a lot more random than I thought it was going to be. I I'm actually quite surprised by this cuz I would have expected this to be the other way. I would have expected this to be batting average going down as swing rate goes up, and that's not the case. Oh, fuck. I didn't even put those things together. Yeah, because as you see as swing rate as swing rate rises, um, yeah. so does batting average. Um, on balls out of the zone, I should say. Right. Now, Which doesn't make any intuitive sense. No. Um, so you'll see, like, like the our highest batting average, as we said, was um, who was this? Andrew Benintendi. Uh, so this is a significant outlier. His 320 batting average is just, as you can see on the graph, far and away bigger than the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, with his 28 percent, uh, our highest chase rate, who we said was um, Salvador Perez, sitting. Uh, on the not good part Lower of this graph <laughs> with a 141 batting average on balls out of the zone. But, I mean, I am kind of... Because you'd, you'd figure the more you swing on balls out of the strike zone, the lower your batting average is. Um, not exactly, I guess. I mean, part of me wants to argue that the guys who are swinging at these know they can hit it, and that's why they're swinging. But... I also am not naive enough to know that baseball players are going to swing regardless of what's actually best for them because they're baseball players and that's just the innate nature of people. Yeah. Um, the, the, there is a strong grouping here in the middle, which, which tells you that's exactly what you said. A lot of this is probably just what it is. A lot of this is probably just... Um, a gentle trend and and more so random than anything else but it is surprising that we still have kind of the result we do um at the end of the day what 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 do you take away from this from an actual gameplay perspective um do you think this makes it more worth swinging more leniently or liberally it's it's hard to say cuz you know like my gut feeling is no you shouldn't be swinging at anything that you think is going to be out of the zone because that's probably bad and you want baseball players to do things that are good and you know more likely to lead to them actually getting good contact and whatnot um i just granted is it is only one year of data it it's hard to say um I mean, I am about as far from being capable as a major league baseball manager as anyone. So it's hard for me to look at this information and be able to take a derive a lesson from it the way, you know, people do with other analytics. It's I feel like it's too much of a player to player issue than it is for swing more at balls outside. Just swing at everything type deal. I think this could get maybe more interesting if, and I guess technically now that we have uh, the utterly specific search engine that we have with Baseball Savant, it is possible, but I'm not going to do it. Um, what zone of out of the out of the zone that this is? Right. Because like bottom out of the zone with these huge uppercut swings, maybe that's not so bad. You know, like I, we saw Vlad uh, Guerrero Jr. take Zach Britton deep a few days ago oh, yeah. on a sinker that was out of the zone. But because Vlad Guerrero Jr. has such a huge uppercut of a swing, he was able to get good contact on it. Right. And like maybe that's a zone that's now more in play because of the uppercuts. And we need to see pitchers adjusting to that with more high fastballs because no one has the level swing to, to, to get them anymore um, in general. But like maybe that's a thing. Or like... I I would bet. Ooh, okay. What do you think is going to get more base hits? A ball that's um, high out of the zone or a ball low out of the zone? Um, base hits. Uh, uh, base hits is is an all encompassing term for anything. Yeah. Any type of hit. Um, 
not just a single. I'd say low out of the zone just because of how hard it is nowadays to actually take heat. Like, there's not going to be any breaking pitches high outside the zone. Unless, really. you know. Unless it's a curveball. It's a doesn't wildly yeah. bad thrown breaking ball. Um, and it's just so hard to catch up to heat high that I think it'd have to be a low-hanging breaking ball. Inside the zone, too far. Or sorry, um, inside out of the zone, I guess is the right way of saying that. Or so outside out of the zone. like Closest to the hitter. Right, right. Um, probably farthest. I would think the same thing. Yeah. Okay, because I don't. I think inside, like like too far inside, is probably the least hittable, mm-hmm. you know, because it's going to, if you do get wood on in it, it's going to be it's, on like the cone of the bat. Like, yeah, it's going to be a jam shot. Okay. Out. Side from the batter, right? Like opposite, bo- opposite batter's box. box or high out of the zone. Um, I would say opposite batter's box. See, this is where I'd be interested because I feel like if you get a level swing, the high a high pitch, if you don't have a huge uppercut, isn't mm-hmm. a bad hit pitch to hit. No. Um, because it's probably coming in relatively straight, and if you could just level out your swing, you could probably still get a good stick on it, like. The problem is just the way the swing paths work. Right. Um, out of the zone, it's probably going to be a weaker shot because you have to reach. And it's but only it ever going to hit the tip of the bat, supposedly. Yeah, it could be, it's going to be a tip shot. The player. Yeah, so I, I actually am kind of – I don't want to do this. Like, I really, I really no, don't want to look be it up. so yeah. much work. But I actually am kind of curious about have that. have this information yeah. that is easily, easily sortable and, you know – Usable. Yeah. I know. I, I don't. I don't want to, but I am kind of curious about which. Uh, maybe I do have to do this now because the more I talk about, it, the more curious I get. Which section of out of the zone yields the highest contact? That would be fun to see, though. That would be kind of fun. Although, especially since like you could take out the outlier, like wild pitches, things that are severely out of the zone, stuff like that. So speaking of um, building upon episode ideas. So I just want to say, um, I know we mentioned David Fletcher. And before we go into this other thing, his out of zone swing percentage is 21%. So right around, um, you know, par with the rest of the league. Um, nothing too crazy. Out of the zone, do you know what his contact percentage is? I'm going to say it's really high because you've made point of it. I don't want to go all the way up, so I'm going to say 96. 93%. Okay. But still, 93% of the pitches that he swings at, anywhere outside of the zone, he makes contact with. I love this guy. He is a utility guy for the Angels. He was a somewhat decent prospect, kind of at one point ahead of Chris Paddock. Um, right around like Josh James when he was coming out. I just don't know what to make of this kid, and I love it. I love him so much, but that's my own little obsession. For reference, out of the zone swing rate average, because I didn't think to do that, is 30.85. Okay, so, so it's 9% lower than average, but... Yeah, I've granted, I, I, to be more accurate, I probably should weight that based on the pitch counts, which I do have right here, but I don't feel like doing that, so I'm not going <laughs> to do that. But, uh, yeah. Uh, the, just just for reference. 30% are, is fair enough. Yeah. I'd, I'd buy that, that yeah, batters yeah, swung yeah. at 30% of pitches out of the zone. Just for reference, um, Williams Astodio, who is one of our other favorite players, who's kind of a unicorn, Swung at forty four percent of the pitches outside the zone, so he That's swung so at everything. Fucking many, yeah, and had a contact percentage of eighty one percent. Ooh, interesting. Very interesting. Okay, so speaking back on uh, the topic from last week, we were talking about uh, spin rates, and I think one of the questions we came up was called strikes versus swinging strikes, right? Yes. For four seams and curveballs. Yes. Because the the, the actual numbers didn't seem horribly different if i recall um probably should have pulled that shit up too maybe i will shoulda woulda coulda yeah yeah i'm a really lazy guy um in general aren't we all we should be but anyway so i decided to look up what the difference was between call strikes and swinging strikes for curveballs and fastballs i didn't do it for uh, knuckleballs and knuckle curves just because that was too much work i didn't feel like it (laughs) so uh there were um 1800 
18,365 8, strikes for cur- for fastballs, forcing fastballs um, so far this season. 12,534 of them were called strikes. 5,831 of them were swinging strikes. That's 68% called strikes to 32% swinging strikes. Corwin, look at me in the eyes. How do you think that's going to change for curveballs? I think the swinging strikes is going to go up drastically. Look at this. It's exactly the same. Can you go back? It is. Hold on, real quick. Four thousand nine hundred and one strikes on curveballs this season. Three thousand three hundred nineteen of them were called. Fifteen hundred eighty-two of them were swinging. That's sixty-eight percent called strikes. Thirty-two percent swinging strikes. It is exactly the same. Bump up. I need to see some. Go to like two decimal points. I just want to see and know that those are two different numbers. So it's 68.25 and 31.75 for fastballs called and swinging respectively. And for um, curveballs. Oh, thank God. They are very, very marginally different at 67.72 and 32.28. Thank the Lord. But they are different. They're But like... Damn right. Yeah, that's fucking wild. Like this is remember when we what were the we, fuck guys. Come remember on. when we were like freaking out about how like I think it was like eighty one point nine miles per hour was such like a common yeah. um, exit velocity. And a few we were weeks like, ago. oh, that has to be like a severe like like a just, rounding yeah, error or, or some counting shit. issue, yeah. computer issue. And then this. And I want to. I want to go on a rant for a sec. Go ahead. When I was growing up. <laughs> People always used to say the saying, you have to be romantic about baseball. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Who gives a shit? Baseball's baseball. It's not, there's nobody making out on the pitcher's mound and nobody's going at it in the bullpen. Like, sure, like you could have fond memories of baseball. You could have nostalgia, whatever. But you don't have to be romantic about baseball. And now that I've gotten into it, baseball is such a fuck you sport where nothing makes sense, yet everything happens a thousand, tens of thousands of times. And the more it happens, the more it stays the same. I just, I don't understand the sport. It was made by witches and is run by wizards. I wouldn't be surprised if at the center of it all, there was a demon or possibly the core of the sun. I don't know. I just... I, I'm i tired of following a sport that absolutely no one truly understands, and I want answers. I just want answers. This isn't the Illuminati. I just want someone to tell me with definitive fact how the fuck baseball works. No one knows. I hate it. It's the worst. No one knows. We're all just trying to figure. It's been 150 years. We're still figuring it out. God damn it! <laughs> so what I decided to do next. Because, so this threw me for a fucking loop when I did this because I just didn't. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I really. I thought the same. I thought we were going to see. I thought we were going to see a lot more swinging strikes on curveballs yeah. because, like, we we were talking Movement about pitches. You swing we were, at those. We were talking yeah. because it came up when we were talking about uh, um, RPMs. Um, um, yeah. Sorry. Revolutions per minute. Yeah. Spin rate. Yep. Right. Um. Because that's, it was such a huge difference. It was the it was one of the biggest differences. Like that has to be, what it would result in. Why you would throw it and fucking no. Like it's exactly the fucking same. So, the other thing I think I said was it could be a contact thing. So what I did was, and and I'm I'm less certain about how well I did this, but I still think I did an, a good enough job to the point where we can take meaning away from it. Good enough for government work. Exactly. Yeah, we're running the Pawnee government here. <laughs> uh, so, out of all the balls put in play by fastballs, um, there were 5,086 events. We had 1,428 fly balls, 1,825 ground balls, three, 1,387 line drives, and 446 pop-ups. Okay, I did it this way. I originally tried to do it by quality of contact, but that led to it being like a lot of number stuff 
and I couldn't quite get a hold of what the events were looking like because they seemed to be a little bit incongruous. So I decided to do it this way, which I think is maybe a little bit easier to get. And anyway, that results in for forcing fastballs this season, 28% of them have resulted in fly balls, 36% of them in ground balls, 27% of them in line drives, which I guess you could think of as being definitive hard contact. Um, fly balls are going to be kind of 50-50. Right. Same thing with ground balls, but those are pretty much mostly going to go for outs. And uh, it's 9% pop-ups. What do you think about this? It is hard to take much meaning from it. Um, it's pretty all over the board. It's pretty evenly distributed. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot less pop-ups than anything else. Just that's the way of the game. Um, but for the big three, having that be relatively evenly distributed, it makes some sense logically. Yeah, uh, you're right. Pop-ups being the smallest is unsurprising. Um, it's also the worst contact, so mm-hmm. the fact that it's not getting much is unsurprising. Um, you could really just kind of lump it into fly balls if you wanted to. Uh, I, I I think that, that this is kind of going to be base level, if I had to guess. This is yeah. so evenly distributed that I think other things are going to be taken off of this. I feel like, yeah, like this would be our control group. Pretty much. I mean, it is so, like, line drives and fly balls are damn near the same at, t- at 27 and 28% respectively, ground balls being at 36%. This feels like if you gave somebody 100 pitches to hit, like if you gave a professional hitter 100 pitches to hit, not mm-hmm. swing and miss, to hit, like down the middle, this would be kind of what happens? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I know we kind of see that with the home run derby but those are also slow pitch batting practice style yes 60 70 miles an hour yeah meant to be pitches that guys can hit massive home runs off of right yeah i think if you if you scale this down to like a normal dude instead of maybe like a single a players or 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 a college player instead of actual high speed pitches and not just you know regardless this distribution feels right yes yeah this is a very normal distribution okay so let's look at the curveball all right, so 1,195 curveballs were put into what? Uh, just the numbers. Yeah. Um, 1,195 curveballs were put into play. Of those, 259 were fly balls, 577 were ground balls, 290 were pop-ups, or sorry, line, line drives, and 69 were pop-ups. Nice. That is good for 22% being fly balls, 48% being ground balls, 24% being line drives, and 6% being pop-ups. What do you think? I mean, yeah, there's a pretty big jump for ground balls, slight declines for everything else, but it's not like it's out of it's not like it's crazy different. Um what was it? Like a a 9% increase for ground ball rate? I think 14. Am I just incapable of reading? 12, 12%. 12. Okay. That's a pretty big jump. Yeah, and and that, I think that um, makes sense because that's what yeah. we were saying. I laughed because I saw the two twenties and I was like, "Oh God, it's the same fucking oh, thing." I thought you laughed at the sixty nine. No, I, I said nice because of the sixty nine. You don't laugh at sixty nine. You support sixty nine. Sixty nine is nice. Okay, okay, um, that's fair. So at first glance, I thought this was also very very close, um, but yeah, no, I think this makes a little more sense. You're not gonna have as good of a contact on a, a breaking ball as you would a fastball. So I can dig it. I, I'm not blown away by these numbers and making me question reality. So I can stand by them. Uh, I feel very vindicated by this because I believe I had said in our episode that because of the nature of curveballs, batters tend to get on top of them and spike them into the ground because they are traveling down and you swing more level or you swing at a point that you think it's going to be continuing forward and instead it dives, which results in ground balls. And that shit happens apparently because I watched enough baseball that I said some shit that was right. I feel very vindicated. I'm glad I did this. Check the tapes. Let's roll it back. Uh, no, but like this makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's the point of most breaking pitches, to be honest. That's why they're breaking balls, because right. they have some kind of downward or down and lateral motion that makes them harder to get underneath, and instead a lot of batters get on top of them, which is what results in ground balls. 
Um, the, yeah, fly balls and, and line drives and pop-ups all went down, as you said, which, again, pop-ups being 6% is not surprising. I mean, no. I can't imagine getting that far underneath, underneath a curveball. Like, you really fucked it up if you did that. Yeah. Um, somehow. So, do you think this then becomes the reason why they do it? I don't know what the ERA looks like. I don't know how many of these got turned to hits. I mean, pretty much these days, this is what more analytics departments look at instead of those things because these te- these kinds of numbers tend to be more telling because like if you're pitching at Yankee Stadium you want ground balls if you're pitching at uh Dodger Stadium you might want more fly balls because that outfield's enormous mm-hmm. and you have the room to work with that so do you think that these numbers could justify what we were trying to figure out in the last episode yeah um i think it's i don't want to say that this is um you know the other half of the argument but it is another piece of the puzzle um i think this would be a lot more beneficial if we looked at the difference between um like the curveball and like sliders or sinkers or other basically comparing it between breaking balls than between fastballs um people are always going to throw fastballs they need breaking balls to kind of mix up their rotation so guys have to guess to some degree they're not just seeing the same pitch every time so i think that being able to see the effectiveness of the the difference in effectiveness between the actual different breaking balls would be a little bit more helpful for actual mlb teams but i think for us this is just really cool to see how different balls affect what hitters are capable of doing yeah, I might I might think about doing this again with slot. I picked curveballs because that's kind of like the traditional. That's the breaking ball you learn how to throw. Right. You know, like if you're gonna learn how to throw a fastball, you don't learn how to throw a sinker. You learn how to throw a four seam. Like mm-hmm. you need to have a decent, a decent at least in something of velocity and good placement mm-hmm. if you're going to become a pitcher. Right. Like you have to be able to throw a four seam where you need it, um, to some degree. And it, it traditionally was if you're going to learn how to throw a breaking ball, it's going to be a curveball. Or if you're going to throw something off speed, maybe a changeup. It, it feels like nowadays that's that that's sliders. But mm-hmm. so I went kind of more traditional with that. It'd be tough. I want to compare them against each other, breaking balls against each other. But it's so tough because I feel like people specialize so much nowadays. You know what I mean? Like you have like, you know, you have your curveball guy, you have your slider guy. And I don't know how much that's going to affect it. Because um, I want to say things like break are going to be more important, but that's only just being measured by Baseball Savant this season. And I don't even know how to compare it yet. I tried to figure that out, and it was it was kind of challenging. But definitely more stuff to play with. We definitely have a lot to go into. So one final thing I just did while we were talking, because I realized I had the numbers there and didn't do anything with them. Um, so there were 18,300... 65 fastballs for strikes, either mm-hmm. swinging or called, out of 31,774 fastballs, hmm. which results in a 58%, um, I guess, pitch-to-strike ratio? Strike-to-pitch ratio? Strike rate. Strike rate, yeah. Kind of neat. That's pretty cool, yeah. It's going to annoy you, though, because it's it's... It's for for curveballs. Oh, it's fifty nine percent. It's like the same. Yeah. So there was um, eight thousand two hundred fifty six uh, total curveballs thrown this season thus far, and forty nine thousand and one of them were thrown for strikes. So that's fifty nine percent of all curveballs were made for strikes. So now Fuck I'm kind of wondering, like, like what what's the most common pitch thrown for strikes, and what's the most common pitch thrown for not strikes? Another episode. It could be. It could be. I actually like that we're actually getting more ideas as we dive deeper into these stats. I know. That's a, that's it's what I'm saying. Cool. Like, it's been kind of hard like coming up with other When we started this, I was really worried. Like, At what point are we just going to hit a wall and have to stop because we've run out of anything to talk about? And it's just it's picking up. Like The rock is rolling down the hill, and it's just picking up grass, and it's just shooting them over us, and we're going to go roll through them again. I'm going to nod like I got that. Yeah, okay. I don't yeah. give a shit. Um, so, we, could, we should even start revisiting some of our old ideas. Like, we should do... Yeah. 
Um, episode two, positional WRC plus. Like we should see who's, cool. who's the best hitter at their position. That would have been good for, be our, cool. for our All Star discussion. Yeah, Fuck. we should totally do that. So when it gets closer to the All Star game, we'll do that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because I mean, we have there's several weeks of voting that we have. Yeah, because um, they're only still in the first round. When does right. the second? Like Round the twenty sixth, I think. Oh, so it's not for a while. Yeah, we have oh, a lot fuck. of time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad we're getting more. That's why I want to find like a good way of doing this shit with football stats and hockey stats because it's so compounding for baseball that like I have a hard time not keep doing baseball because it's just so easy. National League shortstops. We said, um, who did we say? Was the one that all vote? of them were bad, or is that the one where all of them were good? No, it was like. Um, because one of those National League positions, we were like, wow, everyone here sucks. I think we were talking about how good it was. Okay. And we were like, uh, I think it was Javi Baez. Okay. Is he playing at short for the Cubs right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then this was a deep one because I think Trevor Story was there too. Yeah, yeah. So how would you rank the top National League shortstops for all-star votes this year? Because I saw what the actual voting was last night, and I was very shocked. Oh, can I pull up the ballot again? Because I yeah, kind of yeah, forget yeah. a lot of those names. So while you, while you do that, I wanted to talk about one more thing for chase rate. So PitcherList put out, put out an article in uh, mid-January for the top pitches uh, with the highest chase rate from 2018. Okay. So I just want to read through them. So at number 10, Anibal Sanchez's changeup had a chase rate of 49.3%. At nine, Jameson Tyone slider, forty-nine point eight percent. Number eight, Patrick Corbin slider with fifty-one point six. Trevor Richards changeup at fifty-two point three. Carlos Carrasco's changeup at fifty-two point four. Carlos Carrasco's slider at number five at fifty-two point five. Luis Castillo's changeup at fifty-two point eight. Shane Bieber's slider at 52.9. Max Scherzer's slider at 53.1. And do you want to give a guess who the number one pitcher is at chase rate for a particular pitch? Uh, Masahiro Tanaka's splitter. Oh, that's <laughs> nailed it. Right. God damn it. I'm proud of myself for that. I am amazed you got that. I'm not amazed because you're a Yankees fan, and I was going to say, Mr. Yankee, what is it? But I don't want to give you too much. I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of me, too. I'm going to pat you on the back for that <laughs> oh, one, I buddy. I feel like I deserve uh, it. That was really good. You are a smart fella. <laughs> oh, that was really good. Oh, I'm so <laughs> proud of me. <laughs> you want to go call your parents and let them know? No, fuck them. All right. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, Mom and Dad. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I, ha- I have the National League shortstops up. Okay, so combining skill and size of market, I'm having a tough time picking who would be the number one. Because Javi Baez... Rank it by OPS, just so we could kind of see, like... And just kind of sort out the kind of fakers that are in here. All right, well, Javi Baez is almost a 900, so that's good enough. Paul DeYoung's got 838, that's pretty high. Corey Seager's 828, that's pretty high. Trevor Story, 884. And then Fernando Tatis Jr. at 975. So I'm trying to figure out. So you you know who's who's number one. I know who number one is. I know who number two three. is. Number one, Corey Seager. It is not. Ah, oh, damn. All right, who Corey is Seager was number four. Number four. Yes. Is Tatis Jr. in the top five? Top no. three? Really? Yes. Oh fuck! Where's Javi? Javi was number one. Okay, so he was number one. He was number. I was one. trying to not pick Javi, maybe because like. He made it last season, finished second right. in MVP voting. Like No, Javi was very definitively, I believe, in, at the number one spot. Okay. Somewhat close behind him at number two was not Trevor Story because he was at number three. Corey Seager was at four. Ooh, in the number, number two, two spot, who would you th- who would you guess is there? Um, Trey Turner's been doing well, but I'm not sure it would be him. I want it to be Paul DeYoung. But I don't feel like anyone voted for him. Who? I don't know. Dansby Swanson. No way. Really? 266 average, 13 home runs, and an 803 OPS. He was the number two shortstop in all-star votes currently. Really? As of like 8 o'clock last night. Dansby Swanson? Yeah. Really? 
I was at work walking by and I passed a TV when they were like had a little thing up during a game showing it. And I had to stop and watch it because I refuse to believe that Dansby Swanson is the number two shortstop in the National League, according to voters. This is why we can't have elections. Give us a king back. How, People how, can't choose. How long did it take you to realize that Dansby Swanson and Charlie Culberson were different people? Um, I watched... <laughs> it took me a really long time. <laughs> I watched like a special that the Braves did during spring training. And I realized who Charlie Culberson was. But looking at them together is fucking hilarious. I'm pulling up, I'm pulling up both of their, both their um, faces. There, there's Dansby looking so, all happy. And the then Atlanta Braves are doing a promotion this year. They're having a bobblehead night where the left half is Dansby Swanson and the right half is Colby. Oh, that's amazing. That's absolutely... Yeah, I didn't realize that these guys were different dudes for fucking ever. Search uh, Colberson uh, bobblehead. Colberson... Oh. Swanson, Colberson bobblehead. Yep. That's it right oh, there. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Wow. It's yep. the same person. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe he's number two in yeah, voting. It doesn't make any sense. None whatsoever. Like, look, he's a good player. He was the first overall pick. I'm fairly certain he won Golden Spikes in college. Do you think it's meme magic? It's what? Meme magic. I think that the Braves Probably. just might be fucking with us. Yeah. Braves fans might just be fucking with us. But still, it's kind of surprising that like one of the other big market guys. That's why I'm I I picked Seager to be number one. I mean, it's his comeback season. It's Los Angeles. It's the Dodgers. He, he's having a good year. He just got hurt. No, he did. Yeah, hamstring. I think he's going back on the IL. That sucks. But still. Yeah. Or I was thinking maybe Tatis because like the Padres haven't been good in forever, and they have a young like um, homegrown dude. That they get to vote for, who has like mm-hmm. a very real shot of making the the team, and I'm Dansby Swanson, number two, just doesn't make sense. Yeah, the reason I don't think Corey Seager is gonna have a chance is just he missed time, and the counting numbers just aren't there. Plus, this, this is a very very deep position. Right. This is good. Gene Segura is in this in this um, league now. Trevor Story's there. Uh, Trey Turner, um, dudes we've all mentioned already, but. Yeah, fucking wow, that's surprising. Yeah. You got anything else you want to talk about today? Uh, not in particular, I don't think. Um, fucking, yeah, I guess that's kind of it. All right. Thoughts out to Big Poppy. We never had a chance to talk about oh, that yeah. on the episode. Yeah, that makes me really fucking sad. Yeah, I don't really want to dive too deep into it while he's still recovering. Um, I would love to say really that, that the talk Boston about. did a great job with yeah. handling the whole thing. Yeah, the Red I mean, Sox organization. I know we shit on Boston and all their reasonably shitty fans, but when shit happens for real, they they buckle up and they deal with it the right way. Yeah, I I will say that the Boston Red Sox of current, um, and by of current I mean of the last like fifty years, ever since uh, Tom Yawkey stopped being their owner, um, they're a very good organization. They're yeah. very like. No, above board, classy organization. The the fans there are atrocious, and I will right. stand by that forever. But like the Red Sox organization handled things very well. Like when they had um, when 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 they had to kick fans out of the stadium two years ago for repeatedly calling black people both on the field and in the stands the n word, mm-hmm. they handled that very well. They yeah. did a very good job with that, and they're handling the big poppy situation also very very well. I know we joke about you know how big of a Yankees fan you are and how much we dislike the Red Sox. At no point did I ever stop respecting them. No, and the same goes for their players. Like I will always, always hate Big Poppy for who he is on the field, just because he's very, very good for not my team. But if you ever like, like if you ever hit me up and was like, "Hey, Josh, Big Poppy's at the restaurant that I work at," I would come over in a fucking heartbeat. Oh my like, god! I would want him. And I'd have yeah. a very nice, amicable conversation with him while wearing Yankees hat because I feel like I'd have to. Like, if uh, I had but, the yeah. option, if Big Poppy came to the restaurant, I'd go buy a Big Poppy jersey just to have him sign it or just to wear it in his presence, you know? Like, he's bigger than baseball. Yeah, and that's the other thing is that, you know, baseball is fucking sport, man. And it's cool. It's cool to hate it for the sport. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it, it's totally fine to be like, 
fuck Manny Ramirez when he was wearing a Red Sox jersey. But it's not cool to see Manny Ramirez on the street and, and like punch him in the face and go, fuck you, Manny Ramirez. It's just, because he's just a dude, you it's know? It's a sport played on a baseball field. Keep it on the baseball field. Right, or keep it to your viewing experience, however right. that is. Yeah. yeah. Like, you could be upset in your own home watching the game, but just keep it during the game. I mean, there's no reason... I mean, we're a sports podcast that talks about stuff that isn't going on, and we're going to do that for the rest of time, but you know what? Just be a good fan. Be a good guy. Big Poppy was, is a great guy for Boston, for the Dominican Republic. Yeah, I was going to say for the DR, he's a fucking god. And best wishes to him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Couldn't say it better. We love you there, Big Poppy, to some respect. <laughs> I know how no, hard that you. must have been to say on air. Yeah. Why couldn't you just stay with the twins? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. But uh, yeah, no, let's get out of here. We can talk more about everything going on in the world for the Monday show. So until, uh, no, uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, all previous episodes, all graphs, charts, and spreadsheets, you can do so at juicingthenumbers.wixsite.com slash website. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Peace. Peace.